0: Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And the Knicks won a championship. Obi Toppin, that is, winning the slam dunk championship at All Star Weekend. So we're going to break down the dunks, why Obi was blatantly disrespected despite winning. And then, Gavin, we are rejoined by our buddy Prez to get into some more NBA 2022 draft talk.
1: It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We have to more draft stuff. Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray, Jalen Duran, all your favorites, all your potential Knicks coming up right now on Locked On Knicks.
2: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. And now fires three. Three, four, And he's five.
0: All right. Welcome in to Locked On. Knicks. We wanted to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Knicks your first listen every day. Whether you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube, where we are uh, starting to make some some inroads. There, it's been very fun. Uh, if you want to look at our faces every day instead of just listening to them then you can certainly go to YouTube and throw us a subscription, maybe a couple likes, and see what that's all about. I am Alex Wolf. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Nick's site, the Strickland, which you can find at TheStrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, and we are getting into some All-Star Weekend content here. First, Gavin, we're just going to do a segment because, I mean, honestly, the dunk contest... Not totally worth a whole show on its own, but I had a lot of fun with it. Damn it! Like, first off, before we get into Obi's dunks and whether they were scored correctly, like, do you agree with this assessment that the dunk contest was a total flop this year? Like, I sort of agree that some of the dunks were underwhelming, but I thought that Obi like really pushed the envelope for like innovation and really didn't get like. And this isn't even me being a homer. I think that he really did some tough stuff and didn't get nearly the recognition by the announcers at the time, which. Go figure maybe it has something to do with it that it's a a three-point shooter that used to play for the Pacers and hated the Knicks and wants the three-point contest to be the headline event, and Dwayne Wade, who apparently also hates the Knicks. He does? Why does Dwayne Wade hate the Knicks? I don't know, man, but listen to him talk. Listen to how he was talking about Obi and stuff. They were like the whole night, they're just like clowning on the dude for like pulling out dunks nobody's ever seen before. Anyway, yeah. how do you feel about the assertion that the dunk contest was like dead again this year? I guess.
1: Yeah, I thought it was horrific. I mean, it was it was really, really bad. And I mean, it was just it was it was all the misses and like the fact that again the NBA couldn't get any big names. I can't remember. I heard someone suggested at one point that they only do the dunk contest once every two, three, four years. I'm kind of down for that. Like make it like an event when it does come up, make it something significant, make it something that at least even if you don't get stars, like at least like the best dunkers over that few year stretch will do it. And you'll get your occasional young Zach Levine, young Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I mean, even John Morant wasn't really willing or or interested to do it right now, but I think the reason Obi didn't get the hype was just sort of the vibe in the arena was dead after watching all these other guys miss five, six, seven, eight dunks in a row. I mean, and, let, let's call
0: it. Let's call it what it is. It was Jalen yeah. Green when he missed like 50 dunks in a row,
1: and then well, it still wasn't got only hit. him though, right? I mean, Juan Toscano-Anderson, the final round, like couldn't literally yeah. didn't, didn't get off a second attempt. That's true. That's I've true. never seen that happen before in the final round of a dunk. I mean, he was like, I thought he was probably the worst dunker of the four of them, and again, he he made the championship just because he was the only one who got off two dunks in the first round outside of Obi Toppin. So when, when just finishing the dunks is is the qualifier, like it, it's kind of a bummer. And I'm I'm with you. I thought Obi was was pretty incredible, but like, look at all the great dunk contests. Like, it's either because like you have like this all time unique like innovation or just like once in a lifetime performances, like a Vince Carter. And I thought Obi was really good. I thought obviously a, a not maybe you disagree. I thought a notch below that that type of a night. And then the other all time great ones are because it's two people like dueling and going back and forth and topping each other. And Obi didn't have anyone to top. Like he literally he could have just like. Gone down the middle and done a regular like two-handed granny slam at the end of this. I don't know if that's a phrase or not. Um, and <laughs> and he would have won because again, Wanta's Connor Anderson literally didn't even get off his second dunk, so there was no there was no drama. Like I don't think I don't think it had anything to do. I don't think it was like anything against Obi. I think it was just the lack of competition.
0: Yeah, I think it was just like. The scoring was just bizarre to me, right? Like, so, Obi's dunks and scores. He goes behind the back and jumps over someone. He got that in his third attempt, which is pretty impressive. because I've never seen that done before. No, it was amazing, yeah. I've never seen someone jump over someone forwards and put the ball behind their back and then dunk it. And gets a 44 on that out of 50. And I'm like, okay, one-of-a-kind, one-of-one dunk, gets a 44, cool. Then off the backboard, through the legs, reverse, which happened... So fast in real time that they literally didn't even realize that he put it through his legs. And at first, like, that's trash, that's trash. Then they looked at the replay and they're like, Oh, he put it through his legs. Okay, never mind. That's really tough. Like, that was a really good dunk. He only gets a 46 for that. I'm like, what does this kid have to do to get a 50? Like, then does just off the backboards through off the backboard through the legs as a safety dunk because he couldn't pull off the one that he eventually pulled off for his final one, and gets a 45 for that and then through the legs and taps a bounce off the backboard with one hand and then dunks it off with the tap off the backboard in one yeah. like quick motion. I mean just crazy stuff. I think my biggest thing is I'm like, do you guys care about technical proficiency in dunking at this point or do you care about props? Like I tweeted on the Strickland account, you know, during the game like I feel like Obi would have gotten a better score if he was drinking a Mountain Dew dunking over a Kia. You know, because it's like they all they care about is this like product placement BS now and like, oh, how many props can you use? Can you jump over a guy on a hoverboard? (laughs) Like the thing that Obi did with the with like jumping over someone and putting it behind his back while doing it uh, to me is every bit is almost every bit as impressive as the Aaron Gordon jumping over stuff. The magic dragon grabbing the ball under his legs and putting it through Uh, like or like, uh, Gerald Green's, uh, birthday candle dunk that has always yeah. gotten like, you know, uh, like idolized, you know, it's like, but do you care about the props or do you care about the dunks? Because I think that, I mean, look, this is all for fun, you know, all star weekend stuff. It's all just BS that we're just doing just cause it's, it's neat, you know, whatever. But it's like, I don't know. I, I felt like Obi had like a sort of throwback sort of performance in the sense that like, he was just trying to pull out cool dunks. Like he wasn't concerned with like, oh, like what, what kind of, you know, like can I put on a cape and jump from the free throw line and not even dunk it and get, you know, like idolized for life like Dwight Howard or do I just pull off some cool stuff nobody's ever seen before with just myself and a ball? And, you know, I, I guess maybe it's just a lesson for Obi going forward, like just put on more of a show In the future and do some stupid crap like Cole Anthony pulling off like a relatively basic dunk, like wearing Tim's and his dad's jersey or whatever. Like, I don't know. I I found it annoying. I I thought it and I just think it's crappy. Like, why do you have your announcers that are supposed to be promoting the product, like actively negging it on the broadcast when it's actually pretty good stuff happening? I just I don't know. It was it was a very annoying watch for me. To watch like the the broadcast on that, I almost wanted to turn it on mute a few times, but
1: I kind of wanted to rage through it too. <laughs> yeah, I like if Obi put out a memoir at some point called "Myself in a Ball: The Obi Toppin Story." Uh, but yeah, I I'm with you. I think I think a lot of this is maybe this is going like too big picture for for our podcast, but it's like a like a desensitized crowd to some extent. And like like think about like watching Michael Jordan like the '80s doing a dunk contest. Like there was no YouTube. Like the highlights. Probably weren't really readily available on TV. Like it it, 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 almost seemed like magic. I assume to the people there. I mean, even even Vince Carter in two thousand or two thousand one. I'm sure it was very similar vibes to that. And now, like everyone's seen like every dunk, right? Like it is just they've all been done to death, and, and they've talked about that over the years. Like like you get some incredible dunks the last few contests, and people just don't care. And I think the the reason you have the props is like it's sort of to get the crowd back going and saying, like, hey, hey, you've, you've seen all, all, us fly, but you haven't seen us fly with a cape on or in Tim's or with a cupcake, um, and I think that's that's the purpose of it at this point, right? It, it is It is about the showmanship. It is about getting the crowd going, and, like, the greatest dunks ever, it wasn't, like, there isn't, obviously there isn't an objective measure of that. But even if you had an objective measure of that, the biggest thing is like, what is the reaction? Is it players spilling onto the court? Is it the crowd going crazy? And if you just don't have those things, it's, I mean, to your point, it's like watching a great movie on mute. Like, yeah, the visuals are incredible, but it's not the full experience. And I think I think that was really the fundamental issue here. But Alex, uh, very quickly, you want to throw out any, anything else in All-Star Weekend that stood out to you? Um, yeah, I mean, Steph Curry's, you know, 50 points. What was it? That 16 cool.
0: three pointers. I mean, that was yeah, sixteen crazy. and
1: 27.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was. And, and I mean, you got to consider he missed like his last, like 10 attempts too, just trying to break the, the single game yeah. score. He was, record. he was exhausted. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was really impressive. I loved watching that. Um Just all, all in all, the Elam ending, adding that to the whole thing has been brilliant. Like that's been a master stroke. I, I, I wouldn't want that for every single game, but I love it for the all-star game to create that extra bit of, uh, competitiveness. um, Shout out to Cat, New Jersey kid, winning the three point contest and a big man. You know, as like a normal sized human big man. When I I play basketball at the park or whatever, I love seeing big men thrive. So, shout out to Cat with uh, winning that. And then you and I were sort of—I I, I do not know if this is what you're going to talk about, but you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording about the the uh, skills contest. Um, shout out to the Anzakumpo brothers, costing me. Potentially like $1,000 on a $15 bet where I picked them and Kat to win the two contests. And they threw out the nastiest Santa against Darius Garland in a, uh, a do or die three-point shot. And I'm like, oh my God. God, it just uh, that format was just weird. It, there was, it, they did not think that through very well this year. So I, I did not enjoy the new skills contest very much. I
1: was going to say, I love the insanity that deciding an element of the NBA All Star Skills Challenge was literally just shooting for ball like you do with yeah. your friends, like at the park. Um, but I, I liked how convoluted it was. I thought it was stupid, but I thought it was very funny. I thought it would, um, you
0: know, it would have been way more fun. Sorry. Yeah. The yeah, quick game
1: and knockout.
0: If they did that would, a quick oh, that would knockout, yeah. that is dope. That would be so fun. Where like you can't knock out your own teammate, so you just advance like yeah, a guy to the front of the line if it's like you know multiple guys
1: in the same well, team or whatever. And you know Giannis is the type to like hit Darius Garland's ball into like the tenth row, right? And <laughs> yeah. just like not or like him.
0: dunk on him when he's trying to put a layup in or something. Yeah, that would be yeah, so yeah. A hundred
1: percent. Oh yeah, or Jared Allen has to go like try and block him, or or Mobley yeah. has to try and block Giannis like at that yeah. moment. Yeah, that would have been incredible. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic call. And it would have taken, like, a second, but it was just so clear that there was no forethought put into, like, a tie. They are like, I guess you guys can just shoot once. Uh, We'll we'll have Darius Garland, one of the best three-point shooters on planet Earth, against Thanasis Antetokounmpo, is only in the NBA because of his brother. No shots at I think they Um,
0: they had a misunderstanding of the rules, too. Like, I think they thought it was going to be, like, 1v1 and, like, best two out of three wins or something. And that's why they threw Thanasis against Garland, because he was the worst shooter, yeah. You know, so they're like, oh, we'll save Giannis and and Alex for the other two because then we have a better shot.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Alex who like barely played college basketball, but anyways, <laughs> that's a different story. Um, but yeah, and we we were joking before that I thought the windmill was insane and probably could have decapitated someone, and we were saying maybe sabotage the uh, the Cavs season or or, or Giannis's MVP campaign. So that was. Uh, a fun, weird, uh, dangerous element to it. Uh, the general confusion on the rules were great. I liked how lackluster the rookies were in general. Like I, I thought that was a good job by the announcers pointing out that they were just trying to look cool doing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were, they were, even though they didn't. I don't think they won it. I think Giannis's team won it. They they looked amazing in, in the passing part. Like the coordination was was pretty sick. Uh, big Josh giddy guy, even though he just torched the Knicks. That was, that was fun watching him. Yeah. Shout out to cat all-star game was amazing. Uh, final thing I will say on that is they, they really need to change the drafting format. Given that Kevin Durant was out, he obviously should have gotten the first pick since LeBron got himself plus the first pick. And then it's not a snake draft. And it's been the same thing for two years, where LeBron's team just has like six of like the eight best players in the game. And, and look, I give, give credit to team Durant. They stayed in it the whole time uh and Bede, you could tell was i think because he's tired of being on durant's team and losing every year he was trying to get to the line at the end he kept attacking the rim i thought that was cool but what i loved about the Elam ending was the first year where the teams were actually dead even and you got this incredible incredible finish and this time like even though they, they sort of came close to winning it was mostly just because steph was was trying to get the record at the end and i'd like to see even teams going forward. So change up the drafting format. Stop giving LeBron, who's a terrible NBA GM, but a great all-star game GM, the first pick every year. And uh, yeah, let's let's figure that
0: out. I agree. And uh, one thing that we can definitely agree on is that Bill bars are fantastic, Gavin. I will tell everybody about Bill bars real quick, but also we are gonna be right back in with Prez. So, you know, if you listen to our first part of this episode the other day. Be sure to, uh, you know, or if you didn't listen to it, go. be sure to go back and listen to our first part of this episode where we talk with Prez. We're going to finish our conversation in just a second. And uh, this episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. This is the time of year that I and probably some of you have probably given up on your New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm going to stick with my resolution to eat right. Thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I enjoy eating them so much. Have you guys tried Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow they're fluffy they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar they are a treat and they're covered in 100 real chocolate puffs have so many great flavors like cinnamon churro coconut marshmallow banana cream pie they're all so good they're gonna be your new favorite just like they're mine and uh if you want to see the the measurables the you know the calories and all that stuff they're built to impress as well just 130 calories four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs compared to 17 whopping grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs. Not even talking about the fat in those bars. So go to built.com and use promo code lock 15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK 15 for 15% off at built.com. And now we're back in with Prez. If you didn't listen to our first part the other day, be sure to listen to that. But now we're going to talk about Johnny Davis, A.J. Griffin, Jalen Duran, plenty of great prospects in this year's draft. So open up your ears and get ready to start thinking about the Knicks future right now. There you go. Uh, all right. So <laughs> to move to some other prospects here. Um, so I, I know, you know, knowing you and, and seeing you talk to people about the draft, whether it's on Twitter or like in our Strickland Discord or whatever, I know some of your favorites, and so I'm going to ask a very uh, uh, leading question because I know I already know that you love him, so I kind of just want to hear like your case <laughs> okay. for why you love him so much. Um, Johnny Davis, who's a, a guard for Wisconsin, um, another guy that seems to have that poppy athleticism uh, that you're looking for, and is having himself a pretty damn good season so far. He's over 20 points. Uh, for Wisconsin right now, it hits the boards really well too. Eight point three rebounds. Uh, he's a sophomore. There's like a lot of good sophomores in this draft. Mm-hmm. It seems like, and he's probably uh, among, along with Jaden Ivy. He's probably one of like the two or three best. Uh, where do you stand on on Johnny Davis? And since I already know the answer is going to be that you love him, uh, why do you love Johnny Davis as much as you do?
2: Well, I got him right after that first group before, pretty much like in the five, six, seven area, and. It's funny, like, I would love him on the Knicks, but he doesn't really address those three things that I mentioned, right? Like, he's he's strong, and he's athletic, but not in a spectacular way. It's like, he's, he has got great deceleration and extremely good body control, and uh, he, he gets around. He's very nimble. Um, so, you know, there's some similarities to RJ in that way, where they're athletes, but they're not really, like, above the rim. And... He's not really, uh, like oh, I see the, the play unfolding two passes away. Let me, you know, make that kind of assist or whatever. He doesn't do that. And uh, what did I what was it, athleticism feel, and oh, rim pressure. So rim pressure is the one thing I think he can kind of add. So he he gets about thirty percent of his shots at the rim, um, which is pretty good. It's not like amazing, but it's pretty good, and. When you watch his highlights, everything looks kind of spectacular because it's like, oh, reject the screen, forward dribble, Euro step, pump up and under with touch off the glass and one because his team has the worst spacing ever. I, w- I was curious, so I looked up for a lot of the prospects, the the rank of their teams by three-point percentage. And I don't have it in front of me, but I think Wisconsin in the country is ranked like 275th or something their three point percentage is like 31%. So he's not really working with much room. So that's going to be nice for him in the NBA, even if he doesn't have, you know, Jaden Ivey explosiveness. Um, cause he's so skilled with the ball. They're not the same player. He's not the same kind of player, but there's a lot of like Devin bookery vibes where it's like, ah, oh, his, his bag is super deep and he loves the mid range and he's very crafty and unexpectedly strong. And they're about the same size. So, um, He's just really fun to watch because he's he's like a problem solver on the court. He 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 faces he he is the offense and he is he's like knows how to use the screens to maximize the little room he has and use the euro steps and all that stuff. And it's just wonderful to watch him. And he also, despite having that offensive burden, like busts his butt on defense. Um, he's a really good defender which usually guys who do that on offense don't, don't see up like that. So, um, so he's just, he's just fun to watch, man. And he's going to be even more fun to watch in the NBA when he has more space. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about Keegan Murray? Because I, I can't say I've watched
1: a second of Iowa basketball this season, but he seems like such, such an interesting player. And like, I'm just looking at the box scores and the efficiencies just out of this world. <laughs> he's also, he's, he's 22 as a sophomore, which, like obviously, there's like a little Obi Toppin vibes. They're not that they're similar players at all, but just in, in terms of his age. Um, so someone who again just box score watching, and that, that's that's the extent of my college basketball following at this point. Uh, kind of intrigues me.
2: Yeah, we just talked about Keegan on the latest draft Strickland, so go check that out. But I'll tell you here, he's kind of he was tough for me to evaluate, which is why I had somebody come help me on draft Strickland. He's he played power forward um for Iowa. And he so he's like 6'9 with I think about a seven-foot wingspan. And he's he doesn't really dunk, he doesn't play above the rim, but he's very strong, he's much stronger than he looks. And he's super polished and he has amazing touch. So he does a lot of things that he won't he has success in a lot of ways that you can't really replicate at the NBA level, similar to Obi, like a lot of post-ups. And I'm like, you're six nine sort of skinny guy's not gonna get those kind of post-ups in the NBA. So a common play for Iowa will be like they they run up the court, semi-transition, he ducks in and just like puts his ass into somebody and shields them, calls for the ball while like three Iowa dudes are curling around him in this like beautiful symphony of movement. And he's like gives you a shoulder fake, executed perfectly and does like a baby hook all net or something like that. So he's he's really talented at killing mismatches, which he always has. And he's also a pretty good shooter. Like his shooting stats aren't that great, but I think he's going to be a solid shooter in the NBA. So he's not just a inside player either. Um, and he draws fouls and he's pretty switchable on defense as well. He's um, like I said, he's pretty slim. So I actually think in, in the NBA, he could probably play the three, even though he's six, nine. Cause like when Wisconsin played Iowa and he played Johnny Davis, they stuck him on Johnny Davis um, as much as they could. And, uh Johnny Davis scored like a zillion points in that game but that's just because they gave him like a million screens to get Keegan Murray off of him so um so Keegan Murray is really good I don't really like his fit on the Knicks because I know I said we kind of have people at every position but he's you know he's a 3-4 and we got we already got three guys eating up a bunch of those minutes and while he's good I've feel like the upside isn't there to justify him cutting into those minutes personally, but I could also be me talking on my butt. And then he somehow continues to be mad productive in the NBA. Cause that's what a lot of really productive college players do. So we'll see. <laughs> All
1: right. We're going to take a quick break with Prez. When we come back though, we are wrapping this up. We're talking about maybe the most boring scenario for the New York Knicks. Could they replace Mitchell Robinson with Jalen Duran, touching on a couple of other guys and so much more? But first, we want to tell you about Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is full steam for both pro and college hoops, unless you're a New York Knicks fan. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs bet online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball BetOnline.net is your source for hockey boxing and ufc odds right to the olympic coverage and information you so desire so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts
0: yeah so speaking of of guys that are being pretty productive in the NCAA. Uh, AJ Griffin from Duke has been an intriguing guy to me lately. Like he came into the season and, and everybody seemed really down on him. You know, it seemed like he was mostly in like the late teens to twenties in mock drafts, wasn't super highly regarded, but he's been one of those guys that so far this year has really been shooting up boards. It seems like, uh, and is, is now, you know, in the top 10 conversation, which, you know, for better or worse, so are the Knicks. So I think he's a good guy to talk about. He, he strikes me as an interesting case, though, because he's not particularly huge, like, height-wise. Mm-hmm. But, you know, size-wise, he's built like a tank from what it looks like. <laughs> um, he seems sort of like, I mean, to look at him, you know, he's obviously not as big. But, like, the broad shoulders and the general size, it's almost like, Zion Williamson-esque, you know, the way that he looks, where he just sort of looks like a big, like, bowling ball. Um, but, you know, he's been pretty intriguing because it seemed like people weren't sold on shot, and yet he's shooting 50% from three. Uh, he's He's got, like, a 64% true shooting this year, which is, like, great. Um, he's just kind of doing whatever Duke wants him to do and scoring a bunch of points and providing a lot of value despite being, you know, on paper not the fastest dude, not the biggest dude you know, whatever, he seems to just be providing value out there and just being a good basketball player. So what are your kind of thoughts on AJ Griffin? Where do you think he's going to end up out of curiosity? Because it's just such a, one of those weird cases where I, I almost feel like he's having sort of like a, like, I know they're not the same player at all, but based off how the the ebbs and flows have gone, it almost feels like a Denny Avdia journey where it was like, you know, he's like projected in like the teens and then Oh, the way that he plays and whatever, gets him. All of a sudden you're starting to hear about him, potential top five discussion, whatever. And then I feel like on draft night, because of some of the concerns that people still have about him, he'll probably end up going like ninth or something, which coincidentally is right where the Knicks are right now. So how do you feel about AJ Griffin right now?
2: So the first thing to know about AJ Griffin is kind of the context in which he came to Duke. So mm-hmm. he he hadn't played much basketball in the two years before coming to duke because of the combination of the pandemic um the year before he came to duke he was not in school he was training with his dad coach adrian griffin um in tampa because the raptors were playing in tampa and he did that for a lot of the year and a lot of the year before that he had a big knee injury um i forget what it was but uh he used to be like a nuclear head at the rim type dunker And now he's not that and he's getting some of it back. But I feel like that's one of the things you just got to you can't bank on that coming back. If it does come back. Awesome. That's part of the upside. But, you know, he's not not athletic now. But like you said, he's he's similar to RJ in terms of athleticism and physical build. They're both built like linebackers in the bodies of 18 year old six foot six dudes. His arms are a little longer than RJ's. Um, His wingspan is seven feet, which helps um and he uh he's really despite his physical stature he's a perimeter player who's still learning how to use his physical gifts that's one way he differs greatly from rj um he doesn't drive a ton because he can't blow by guys and you know duke has mark williams and paolo and those guys are taking up the real estate in the paint and um you know, it fits, it works for Duke because he's an amazing shooter. Um, he, as a 16 year old, like the last time he he played a lot, I, you know, high school stats can be really unreliable, but like, I was somewhere in the forties from three, from what I've read. So he was shooting that thing on like pull-ups too, not just catch and shoot as a child, basically. And his shot looks a little funny. He has a kind of like sitting on the toilet type stance, very wide but his touch is amazing. He, he I think he spent most of the year at like 50% from 3 and he hits his free throws and he has great touch around the rim. That's another difference between him and RJ. When he does get to the hoop, which is way less often than RJ, he's very good at um you know, the touch shots and the layups even though he which is important because he can't, you know, dunk on people. So, um and he's a, on defense he's all right. Uh probably one thing you kind of have to figure out with him on defense is he has the RJ thing of like, he might be too jacked to defend a lot of twos, even though he's only six foot six. Um, So you had to figure out the wing situation there. If he were to be on the Knicks, although that's a good problem Um, off ball, you know, like a lot of 18 year olds, sometimes he gets back cut, but there's also instances where he's like, Oh snap. Like I, I see the, I see the play unfolding and he'll, make the rotation before it happens and like save his team. Um, It's kind of like what we saw with, with Cam Reddish at Duke where coach K was like, all right, you're playing defense for us now. Like, that's your thing. If you want to play, so get good at it. And then he's like, all right, I want to play. So I got good at it. Um, So that's cool. That's very good to see. And I mentioned it before, but he's also one of the youngest players in the draft. So he just has when you combine his age, he's not going to be 19 on draft night. And the fact that, In the last two years, all the other prospects have played more basketball than him. Um, I think he's going to be really good. I don't know what he's going to look like in five years, but he's going to be really good. So I have him right there with Johnny Davis in that group. So it would be sweet if he dropped to the Knicks. (laughs) All right. uh, Last specific guy we're going to bring up, but
1: uh, do you think there's any intrigue on the Knicks Side of things to, if if they want to go after someone like Jalen Brunson and they could use the extra cap space by, I don't know, let's say letting Mitchell Robinson walk. If someone like Jalen Duren is there at nine, 10, 11, is he intriguing for you as, is, is sort of a, again, from, from a novice perspective, correct me if I'm wrong on this is sort of a Mitch facsimile, or is he someone that, that doesn't interest you that much because he's just not all that unique
2: as a center prospect? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because Nick's draft Twitter has avoided talking about this scenario because it's the most boring anticlimactic outcome because taking centers in the draft is just not cool ever, unless they're like Carl Anthony Towns or Chet or Evan Mobley and are like top three. Cause you know, there's all these cool wings and stuff like that and scorers and we have so many needs and Mitch is, even though he's, you know, Snapchatting at the wrong hours and, Fouling out and all that, like he's still pretty good, even though he yeah. lost weight in his injury problem. Like, he's still pretty good. So, do we really need a center? But if that happens, and I could see that happen, like if, if Dallas, Dallas could do a lot worse than bringing Mitch to help Luca out, man, that'd be a good combo. And and Durren's legit, he's uh, he's real legit. Um, he's shorter, he's a lot shorter than Mitch. I think he's like 6'9, 6'10. So, physically, he's more like Okongu, um, where he's jacked and jumps like eight feet in the air all the time. And um, Memphis is kind of weird. He plays for Memphis and they have a weird situation going on. They don't really have a point guard, which kind of sucks for him because he's the center, right? So he doesn't really get as many easy buckets as he should. But he has f- crazy flashes of like short roll passing and and stuff. The passing flashes are really interesting to me. And I he's still working on defensive processing stuff so that's one thing i will say is like they could bring him in as a mitch replacement and i'm sure he could do a bang-up job just because of his athleticism but like decoy plays and sniffing out what the coaches are running and all that stuff that only comes after a couple years like he's all he's not going to be 19 on draft night so it would definitely take a couple years for him to uh to get the hang of that which is not you know that's not an indictment on him. That's how it goes for Prez. That's why you have, you have Taj Gibson uh, staying
1: on his reverse
2: aging drugs. So that's we'll true. Be, that's we'll, true. will be fine. Yeah. yeah, you pair him with Josh Gibson and thirty year old Jericho Sims, and you'll be fine. <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right. So to to move kind of towards the uh, uh, towards the end of this this pod here and and sort of start wrapping things up. Um, who would you say? Uh, let's. Let's just say, you know, we'll, we'll rule out the guys that we've already talked about. Is there anyone else outside of the top 3 or maybe even one or two names you want to, you know, or 3 or whatever that you want to touch on quickly that stand out to you as particularly good fits for the Knicks in that like late lottery range?
2: Uh yeah, sure. It's really tricky cuz a lot of these guys, you know, once you start talking 8, 9, 10, will be 16 on other people's boards. So they'll seem very anticlimactic to other folks. Um, the guy I've been talking about on Twitter a lot is Tari Eason, <clears throat> the uh, three, four from LSU. He's six, nine. Um, his statistical profile isn't crazy as Keegan Murray's, but it's right there. It's like the, the, these, if you look at all the advanced metrics for college players, he's as high as anybody. Um, and he's kind of a weird player. He's really physical, and he's a super athletic, long, rangy wing, six nine, seven seven one wing span. Um, so we don't have any wings like that. Um, he rebounds. He's kind of sucks in isolation, and he has a wonky jump shot. But if you get him a screen or get him the ball off a swing, he's like a battering ram. But a battering ram who else has this like weird good footwork, and then e- even though he has like no left hand he still always somehow manages to score and he doesn't pass that much but it doesn't stop his efficiency so he's just this really weird player with a lot of low-hanging fruits but who's still just really good at basketball um i think he's on pace to become the first guy since matisse Tybull with a six percent block rate and four percent steal rate which shows you what kind of hands and instincts he has um so we don't really have any two-way wings with upside like that of that size. So I would definitely uh, go for someone like him. Um, Shaden sharp. If he declares from Kentucky is the uh, mystery man, shooting guard, pogo stick, step back shooter, who is probably going to be in the top seven or eight. If he declares, Um, we don't have athletes, let alone athletes who can shoot. So that would be pretty nice. Um, Those are the two guys who stand out. Aside from that, there's a lot of players who are, who are talented, but the fit's a little trickier, like Ty Ty Washington, the point guard from Kentucky, Benedict Matherin, the shooting guard from Arizona, who's like, they're both really good, but are you really sure that TyTy Ty is going to be better than Deuce Rokas or IQ? And are you really sure that Benedict is going to be better than Quentin? I don't think the answer is yes, which makes me kind of not want to take them. So um, those are some guys to keep an eye out for
1: all right well that's as good of a note as any to wrap up on uh, prez before we let you go um we've, we've listed your credentials throughout but can you remind everyone one final time i mean all the places you can be heard where people can read your writing and, and just where they can find all your work
2: yeah uh i don't write anymore because my last piece that i wrote was about kemba walker and that ended up splendidly yeah. good thing my piece is more about Not true. the vibes
0: you, you wrote the grimes <laughs> one with with tyrese you had another one since oh you're walker.
2: right yeah. The Grimes and Rokas piece. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I'm not retired. I I I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you just can't write about I uh right point right cards back, anymore. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I should just stick to future Nick's. Um <laughs> yeah, at underscore presidente with a Z on Twitter and then on the strict land. Um I do Pod Strickland behind the Patreon wall. So you peasants can't listen to me unless you help donate money to our splendid cause. But you can listen to me for free on Draft Strickland, which also is uh, an awesome podcast um, that is obviously focused on the draft. So catch me there. Cool. All right. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Go ahead, Gavin. You see him off. (laughs) You see him off. No, I love
1: love to say goodbye. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much, Fred. And uh, yeah, that is it for this edition of Locked On Knicks. And we will talk to you all soon.